Fear paralyzed the town. Women of means packed up their clothes and children and checked into downtown's Hotel Grimm while their husbands were away on business. Others rigged Rube Goldberg-esque security systems attaching pots and pans to wire that was strung around their property. People who had never owned guns slept with loaded pistols on both sides of the bed and made pallets on the floor so their children could sleep beside them. Lawmen from Arkansas and Texas and members of the national press overwhelmed the town in pursuit of the assailant, who was dubbed the Phantom. Hey, gays and ghouls. I'm Sean Reedy. And I'm Katie Toole. And this is Friday Night Frights. A podcast about Lover's Lane, local lore, and trombones, apparently. Yeah, apparently trombones. (laughs) (laughs) We're here for all sorts of musical instruments. I mean, artistry. (laughs) Artistry. (laughs) We're here for talent. (laughs) (laughs) The best part is you're blowing on the trombone through the mask, so like... It's not really making any sound. No, it doesn't make, it doesn't do much. There's not much going on there. Pretty sure that didn't actually happen. No. (laughs) Uh, Tonight we are discussing both versions of The Town That Dreaded Sundown. One that was made in 1976. Thank you. And the other that was made in 2014. It's fair. I was like, we we talked about a lot of seventies movies this yeah. month. <laughs> yes, we have seventies <laughs> movies, seven movies set in the seventies. Right? Yeah, like yes. we're all about the seventies, all about Texas. Texas yep. in the seventies is here. Here we are. Here we are. That's where we are. We're in Texas in the seventies yes. for some reason. Mm-hmm. Although this movie says actually, or at least the first of these movies is actually set in the forties. Yes. So it just is all very confusing. So. <laughs> The Town That Dreaded Sundown is based on a true story. And I know that mm-hmm. we've said that a few times mm-hmm. in the course of this podcast. And it's always like, this movie claims to be based on a true story. And then, no, it's not. Right. Actually, right. Night of the Living Dead, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This one is 100% based on actually a true story. Yes. And follows it pretty closely. Yeah. With some exceptions. Like They're... the fucking trombone. Like the trombone. Yes. <laughs> They wanted to get a little creative. I mean, well, artistic license. You had to make it interesting. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, he had to make it interesting. and it, <laughs> He tried to make it interesting. He tried to make it interesting. <laughs> it was okay. It was okay. There was something very... Because I had never seen either of these films before I, I watched them for this. And I, like, well. I knew about the case, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I knew right. that there were movies made about the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually didn't know about the second one until you mentioned it. <laughs> I, I remember, I actually, that was the first one that I heard of. Right. Well, was... this happens to us a lot. Where, yes. like, if there'll be, like, a remake of a movie or a sequel or something, like, one of these, like, you know, fuckers who have named a movie the same thing that are made 40 years apart. Yep. And I'll be like, we should do, you know, insert movie here. And you'll be like, oh, yeah. And you'll be talking about one that was made in, like, 2012. And I'll be talking about one that was made in 1965. And we're like, right. Okay. <laughs> so which one are we Got doing? it. Oh, my apple. Why not both? Why not together. both? Um, 
I found the 76 version of the movie very sort of endearing. Like, it was almost quaint. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was. It was. It was a very good, uh, like, I thought it was a very cute representation of the town. Yeah. Like, the town was very cute. Yes. And it, <laughs> it reminded me more of television of the era. Yes. Than mm-hmm. movies, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they got probably a little darker and more graphic than they would have been allowed to on TV, but it mm-hmm. really felt like a, a like late 60s or 70s cop show. Yeah. Where they mm-hmm. had, like, everything from the narration mm-hmm. to the the sort of, like, down-home wholesomeness mm-hmm. of the characters, including the, like, comic relief guy. Right. You know. Oh. Oh, the comic relief. We'll get there. The comic, the comic relief, guys. <laughs> Something else. Well, yeah, right. What they did for comic relief. You're like, uh-huh. oh boy. <laughs> 1976. Mm-hmm. Well, and the movie was very much so, you know, shot as like a very documentary style. It was very documentary style. Mm-hmm. And and not in sort of the way we talked about like Toby Hooper right. being like where it was just sort of this very immersive and trying to put you in it. Right, but very much like literally there's a narrator yes, who doesn't just show up at the beginning of the film and like say a thing and then the film goes on, like continues to talk throughout the film Mm -hmm. as if it was a documentary or as if it was a 70s cop show. Yeah. Because like, you know, shit like Dragnet had that Mm -hmm. all the time, right? Right. Adam 12. Did Adam 12 have? It reminded me a lot of Adam 12. I don't know if Adam, I don't remember if Adam 12 had narrators that like talked the entire time, but Dragnet did. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I was like, it's such a departure almost from the movies that you're sort of used to watching Uh from the seventies, right? When they were sort of like pushing every envelope that they could find. Yep. And then you have this guy who just came along and sort of made like a here we are. Almost wholesome. Yeah. Horror movie. Yes. Well, about real events. And, and maybe it, because it was about real events, he didn't want to sensationalize it too much. Well, and I, I and that was something that I had thought about because I like I know obviously this took this movie was created, you know, 30 years after, after mm-hmm. the events. But it was filmed in the town that it happened in. Right. So I can imagine the amount of stress that the director was experiencing, like trying to make sure that like he creates a movie that's entertaining enough while also not pissing off an entire town. Right. And I think that he had like a personal connection to the area. Like yeah. I think that this was a filmmaker who was making a movie about something that happened to his town. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. at least in his county or in his, you know, region, right? Like he had grown up with the stories about the Phantom mm-hmm. and then he wanted to make a movie about it. Um, the second one I actually thought was really an interesting concept until the end. Yep. And the, when the reveal happened at the end, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm -hmm. Because it was just so dumb. And up until then it hadn't been, it hadn't been that dumb. Like, yeah, it wasn't okay. It was okay. It wasn't awesome. But like, I was like, I can, I can dig the sort of vibe they're going for here. Mm -hmm. And then once it like once the like twist at the end, you're like, what are you doing? Why this is not necessary, really? and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it did not make sense. And they even admit that they did, that it didn't make sense. So yeah, like the the like end narration is like, well, they no one knows how they found each other or why they were working together, <laughs> right. but this is what happened. And you're like, what? <laughs> okay. 
like your story isn't based on real events. Like you actually wrote right. this story, right? Yes. So it's like mm-hmm. you, there's nothing that you have to sort of, you know, tie to. And I mean that that is that is true that like often often like killing pairs. There's not a great explanation of as to like how they found each other or why they started right. working together right? mm-hmm. or how how they figured out that they both wanted to kill people. That right. that's what always gets me. It's not so much like. A, that people, like, that killing pairs find each other, that, like, two people who want to, like, murder people for fun find each other. But, like, how does that conversation start? Right. Oh, I really just want to kill someone. (laughs) Right? You're like, God, that guy, you're, like, driving in the car, and you're like, man, that guy cut me off. I could kill him. And the other guy's like, I mean, we could if you want to. Yeah. And you're like, okay. Like, how does that conversation yeah, right. happen? Like, you got a knife and a, <laughs> right? knife and a gun you and a glove compartment. In, in the yeah. back. Like, it doesn't make any sense. No, um, it made no sense. <laughs> so it does happen. But, like, mm-hmm. in narrative, <laughs> you need reasons for things. Yes. You can't just you can't just make a thing happen and then literally tell your audience there's no explanation. Yes, for this. <laughs> I I love that we got nothing. <laughs> I love that like even the character didn't have a real explanation like he really didn't explain why he didn't didn't. she was like what the fuck and he was like uh i'm not gonna be stuck here my whole life and it's like so then leave murder is the way to do that (laughs) so so murder i don't know if you know how legal systems work friend but (laughs) if you murder someone in a town you're probably gonna be i don't know jailed in that town right or nearby right nearby it's like you're definitely staying in texas yeah if you ain't going anywhere. Going anywhere. <laughs> or I guess Arkansas. I forget. It's like, it's hard because the... It is on the border. Well, it's on... The town is on the border, but the actual murders happened on the Texas side. Right. Slightly outside of town. hmm For some reason, both movies focus more on the Arkansas side. And I don't know why. I don't know. But the... I mean... The, the murders happened mm-hmm. in Texas. Right. Um... Obviously, it affected the whole town. Or no, actually, I'm wrong. The first two murders, like the first two, which were double murders, right? right. The first two murders happened in Texas. The third was in Arkansas. Oh, okay. Because he went north of the town. Right. For that yep. one. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes. So, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, again, is based 100% on a true story. Pretty faithfully... Um, sticks to that story and it is an unsolved string of murders mm-hmm. from 1946 mm-hmm. which was before anyone thought that such a thing existed mm-hmm. but was immediately after world war Two. immediately immediately so i mean you gotta think of like the the sort of you know mass trauma of the time right like and i mean serial killers have always existed right like there Mm -hmm. have always been serial killers there were more of them in the mid-century of the last century but Mm -hmm. (laughs) i still think that's because of leaded gasoline but we're that's not we're we're okay (laughs) um this isn't a true crime podcast (laughs) but (laughs) as adjacent as we'd like to be (laughs) right right (laughs) made everybody fucking nuts well I fully, fully believe that it had something to do with it. Um, But in the spring of 1946, in fact, the first murder 
the anniversary of the first murder was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, a man who was supposedly wearing a mask. He was right. at least wearing a mask in the first attack mm-hmm. and the last attack, right? Um, and we know that because those attacks had survivors and they described him. Right. Uh, I guess we don't know for sure if he was still wearing the mask, but one would assume he was always wearing the mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just sort of a sackcloth with holes cut out of it. It wasn't like anything fancy. Right. Um, he attacked eight people. Mm-hmm. They were all male-female couples, most of whom were in, um, like, Lover's Lane type situations, yes. right? Mm-hmm. They had gone parking because, like, this was a thing that people used to do all the time. <laughs> it's not a thing anymore. It's not really a thing anymore. Not really. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of anywhere that, like, kids went when i was in high school no i feel like that i don't know if maybe that's just more of like a small town even more southern thing but no i don't think it's that so much i think it's a generational thing yeah right? well definitely that, that too i think that it was more like you were much more heavily chaperoned and right um you know but yes so but anyway people used to do those all the time they would go parking they would basically just go park the car on a secluded road and make out. And uh, he attacked three couples who were doing that. And then he attacked a fourth couple in their home. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting. And you got you kind of got to wonder. Although she described him. Yeah. And no, he... he matched the description. But mm-hmm. it's just that just seems like a... a it's an M.O. switch. It's an M.O. It's a serious M.O. switch. Yeah. Because at that point, too, you're talking about a married couple, not a dating couple. Right. They were, you know, a different age than the mm-hmm. others. Yeah, it was that one. It's weird. That one's weird, for sure. He became known as the Phantom Killer. Yes. Right. And the yep. murders, the series of murders are known as the uh, Texas Moonlight Murders, mm-hmm. which is very like, ooh. Yeah. Right. Um, it's, I... Honestly, a cute name. I mean, <laughs> it's a cute name for the murders. As far as murders go, as far as murders go, it's cute. The Texas Moonlight Murders. Oh. It's very 1946, <laughs> right? Like it, it evokes the time. Yes. <laughs> um, but yes, the here I have the I have the list of we should say their names. So the only the the thing obviously in the movie is that the victims' names were changed. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that's the only thing that they said was different about the original murders. And I'm like, mm, <laughs> Until we get to the trombone. Yeah. Um, so, on February 22nd, 1946, Jimmy Hollis, who was 25, and his girlfriend, Mary Jean Larry, who was 19, well, were... <laughs> it was a long time ago. Were uh, parked, and they were both... Um, were parked and they were attacked by a man in a mask. Mm-hmm. They both survived, although Hollis was in a coma for several days. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a sexual element to the attacks. Uh, he actually ended up sexually assaulting uh, Larry, the girl, with with his gun, mm-hmm. which is horrifying. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is horrifying, but that somehow makes it more horrifying. Um, 
three weeks later, or actually about a month later, uh, on March 24th, so like I said, yesterday, Mm -hmm. uh, Richard L. Griffin, age 29, and his girlfriend, Polly Ann Moore, age 17. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder, it makes me wonder, oh no, no, because the third couple wasn't. They were both kids. Right. But it makes you wonder, you know, sometimes these guys have such like weird triggers is like yeah. was it the age difference you know what i mean right um they were found uh dead so sometime in the early morning hours mm-hmm. of march 24th 1946 they were killed obviously an exact account of what happened to them isn't available because there were no witnesses mm-hmm. um and they were both shot to death in their car right they were shot to death, but they were posed mm-hmm. afterwards. Um, and the the girl's body was a good like mile or something away mm-hmm. from where the car and the guy's body. The guy's body was in the car, posed. Mm-hmm. The girl was fully clothed, which like they don't know. And, and you know, back then there was really no way for them to tell if somebody couldn't tell them. You know, right. what if any sort of sexual components w- went on with, with the girl at that point. But... Mm-hmm. So then three weeks later on April 14th, uh, Paul Martin, who was 17, and Betty Jo Booker, who was 15. So they was, these were both kids, mm-hmm. um, went parking Despite, by that point, it being, like, the whole town on red alert. Right. That, you know, they were teenagers, so what, what are teenagers going to do? You're going to tell them not to do something, they're going to, like, okay, I'm going to go do it twice. Yeah. Like, <laughs> double down. Double down. <laughs> yeah. um, but they were killed, uh, again, in the early morning hours of April 14th. Mm-hmm. And then the last murder was May 5th. I'm sorry, was May 3rd. Um, and again, these people were older and they actually lived on the Arkansas side. Um, and that was Virgil and Katie Starks Mm -hmm. who were 37 and 36. Uh, he was shot through the window. Like guy didn't even come in. Yeah. He's just like bang. (laughs) And he was shot through the window. His, his wife, which again, this is horrifying. Right? Like, his wife comes around the corner and just sees him suddenly dead in his chair. Yeah. <laughs> like, just literally he didn't even fall out of the chair. And um, then she is shot at, struck twice in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a relatively low caliber weapon. It's like a twenty-two. Mm-hmm. Um, So she did survive that and she managed to get herself to uh, a neighbor's house. And so she survived mm-hmm. that attack. So eight... Uh, victims, five of whom died. Yes. Uh, and then it stopped as suddenly as it had started. Some people believe that is because a man named U.L. Swin- uh, Swinney, who was a sort of career petty criminal, uh, was arrested and imprisoned for car theft. Mm-hmm. They could never get enough evidence on him to charge him or convict him of the murders, but... Mm-hmm. There are many, many p- people who believe that Ewell Swinney was the Phantom. 
And then there are people who believe that he, like, skipped town. And there are people who believe that he went to California and became the Zodiac. But yep. I think that there's two. I, I think there's too big of a gap. I think he would have been... I mean, unless he was really young when he did the first ones. And then... But... It's just there are there are a lot of killers who have that MO, mm-hmm. right? I mean, unfortunately, but the the mask, the mask and the gun and the lover's lane. Yep. All it is it is it is interesting. It is like hmm. It's an interesting tie. Together. There's I like, mean, yeah, like that's that's a lot and it was it was what? 22 years, 21 years. So like it's not impossible. Yeah. Did I just say impossible? You it's, did. <laughs> You did, you English major, you. <laughs> Katie, I have an excuse. I'm stupid. <laughs> You're not stupid. You don't have a fucking right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Suddenly was channeling Ralph Wiggum for some reason. <laughs> Sean is nowhere near stupid. And then, so 30 years later, they decided to make a movie about it. Mm-hmm. And we got we got the town that dreaded Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um. It opens with narration about how, you know, um, how Texarkana was such a lovely place to live Mm -hmm. at the time that it was a really sort of prosperous little town and that, you know, people didn't lock their doors because of course they didn't. It was 1946. Like nobody locked their doors, not even in big cities. No. (laughs) And, um... You know, just how out of nowhere this came. Uh, it focuses much more on the investigation of the killings than on the yes. killings themselves, which is another thing that remind makes it remind me of a cop show, mm-hmm. right? You know, when you're talking about when you're talking about you know Halloween or Texas Chainsaw Massacre or you know, uh, Friday the 13th, right? The cops show up at the end. Yep. Because, and, and part of that is because this actually was a true story. And most of the time, not always, like there are, you know, Richard Speck was a thing that happened, but right. usually people don't do all of their killings all at once. Right. Right. Like usually, usually it's, spread out. it's spread out. Right. Yeah. So there is more of like an investigative period mm-hmm. in between the murders that like most slashers don't allow for because it's like one Survived the one night. Right. Right. Um, and it's just... <laughs> the characters who are investigating add such, like, a level of goofiness to this. <laughs> Unexpected goofiness. Unexpected like... goofiness. Like, what are we trying to achieve here? Right. Because, like, it's a very serious movie. Except yeah. when it's not. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's just, like, it's... Very uneven in tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's very. It's not consistent. <laughs> <laughs> Got some cop chases going on, cars crashing into lakes, <laughs> guys in big like ten gallon hats yelling at people, yep. guys in drag. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> like harassing the guys in drag. Like, and of course there's guys in drag. Why wouldn't there be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I I don't. I, I don't think that happened either. I don't think that, you know, no. that was part of the investigative. Although there there are reports that 
there were people who did try to trick the killer into trying to attack them so they could ambush yes. them. But it wasn't the police. It no, was, it was citizens at the town yeah, who were the... like setting up decoys to try to, mm-hmm. you know, catch the killer in the act and right. like ambush him. Yeah, it's which... a group of, groups of teens that were trying to get him in right. when they're in the level, lover's lanes. Right, and like, you know, whether or not... Any of them were in drag, I don't know, but right. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure the cops never never no. dressed up in drag. Probably not. <laughs> it's not the not the Bugs Bunny school of investigation. No. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. But I mean, this was a huge deal. I mean, this was a huge deal. Oh like, yeah. I mean, it's hard to think of another one that got this much press. Prior to this, except for like, like the ones that are almost legendary, like H. H. Holmes yes. and Jack the Ripper, uh-huh. right? Like, that's how far back you have to go, where you know a serial killer was. I mean, the word didn't even exist at the time, mm-hmm. right? It it actually didn't exist for a while. I think it didn't exist until like the eighties. They would call them, you know, all kinds of other things, but the term serial killer hadn't come about yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was a, a national, international story. You know, every law enforcement agency within earshot was there, right? Yep. So, like, you had the local cops from Texarkana, you had the county sheriff's department, you had from both sides, right? You had the Arkansas State Police, you had the Texas Rangers, and then you had the FBI. Right. Right. So this was a massive investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unsolved. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Which just goes to show, I mean, it goes to show you how hard it is to solve these things, right? And especially back right. when you didn't have the tools. I mean, they did actually use, like, this was at the very, very beginning of criminal profiling. Yeah. So they did come mm-hmm. up with a profile. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem was that every guy in town fit the profile. <laughs> right. Here's a guy in blue jeans and uh, some boots. Right. He's got a gun. And he's six feet tall right. and tan. Yeah. Maybe light-skinned. African-American. We don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe light-skinned African-American or just a tan guy, which, you know, there aren't any of in Texas. Not at all. Like, the fact that there's any anyone who could be a race, you know, other that could have like tan skin other than an african-american like i don't know a, a latino person yeah. or a native american because they don't have those in texas no 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 <laughs> like, not in the south <laughs> so i mean it was you know they they had some investigative hurdles yeah. for sure <laughs> like well i guess i guess at least i'd be out of there <laughs> right yeah too it wasn't me no too short too late <laughs> <laughs> yeah. definitely wasn't definitely wasn't a a you know Eight? How tall are you? Five seven. Five seven? I was close. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I wish. You're taller than me. <laughs> Thank God for you. I, mean, I, must feel, I feel bad for guys who are as short as I am. Because, like, it's hard to be a girl who's this short. I can't imagine the, like, added, you know, shit that you get for being a boy. <laughs> so we will get into how uh, the film presented these murders and then how the sequel, mm-hmm. you know, had a dialogue with <laughs> the original murders. But first, mm-hmm. it is Shocktail Hour. 
We almost forgot to do Shock Taylor. <laughs> uh, tonight's Shock Taylor is called The Phantom. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, and I forgot what I put in it. No, I didn't. It's a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Phantom consists of... Uh, clearly, I've had too much of this drink already. Uh, the Phantom consists of a shot of brandy, mm-hmm. half an ounce of vermouth, um, a few dashes of orange bitters, a just like a bar spoonful probably that's probably like a teaspoon ish maybe a couple of teaspoons just sort of to taste of cherry grenadine mm-hmm. uh, and then an absinthe rinse on the glass now this is important because if you just pour absinthe in all you're going to taste is absinthe yep <laughs> so what you do is you pour in a little bit of absinthe you know don't do too much don't want to waste it it's expensive mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and uh swirl it around the glass and then dump it out and mm-hmm. then pour the rest of your drink in there. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit like, you know, a, a Manhattan married a Sazerac, but there's brandy involved. It's just, it's very 1946. It is. It's very delightful. <laughs> it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's quite, it's quite tasty. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can, you can, you know, throw those back as you're watching, watching this, mm-hmm. this lovely film. Okay. So the plot of the original movie is pretty much, pretty much we've already told you. Yes. Because like it really does follow the sequence of the murders almost exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is this sort of in-between of the investigation. Right. right? And even the investigators are based on real people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Probably not Sparkplug. But. <laughs> Sparkplug is real. Sparkplug is real. <laughs> I need Sparkplug. I need Sparkplug. Not only is Sparkplug real, but he is also a, a returning character in the second one, except for he's not the same person. <laughs> Someone's just also called Sparkplug. Right, because that's just like something that cops call each other. I'm like, no. Why is it called him Sparkplug? Like, what is that? Like, he's not a mechanic. Like, he's he's a cop. Yeah, no. Um, so there is this inexplicable insertion of this character. And he, he's got it. He's just there for comic relief. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, like, you first encounter him when he is manning the phones in the station. Uh-huh. As they're talking about... This is before the murders start. This is after the first attack. Yep. Right? Because the film the film pretty much opens with the the characters that represent Hollis and Larry, right? Right. Leaving the movie theater mm-hmm. and going to park. Right. And your first attack happens right away. Um, and then they start investigating the attack. And then, of course, once the next attack results in a murder, mm-hmm. then... You know, they the panic starts to ramp up. Right. Um, but yes, you. So the first attack has happened, but no one's been murdered yet. So like they're not in full panic mode, but they're worried because the nature of the attack suggests that the attacker will strike again. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, even even in forty six, they understood that sexual violence didn't tend to end at one usually the first one is this is the first one right it's the beginning it's not right yeah it's not it's, it's not the only yeah um so that they even understood so they were worried uh that they were going to you know have a sort of spate of attacks mm-hmm. and and spark plug is there and he's answering the phones and he's threatening <laughs> to literally kill for a while there, I was like, are they trying to set this up that Sparkplug is the killer? Uh, you know, I was a little confused by that, too. I'm like, is he 
is he supposed to be the psychopath because he's like immediately he's acting just, like one yeah like come on man let's just start threatening people to kill their dogs because they're coming onto your property like huh no, no, no. Or no, it wasn't even that. It wasn't even no, that. It wasn't even, yeah. No. So yeah, the, yeah. He, he took a domestic violence call. Yes. <laughs> of all things, uh-huh. he took a do- domestic violence call. The The woman had called the police. She was like, you know, my husband is at it again, which implies that he's done this before, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, like a mean drunk or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, put him on the phone. And he berates him for a minute. And then he said, he goes back to talking to the wife and he's like, well, you know, I told him that I, I would come and, and, you know, bash his face in or something if, if he bothered you again. And if I do come over, lock up that mangy dog or I'm going to shoot it. Yeah. So like, I'm coming onto your property uh-huh. and I'm going to shoot your dog right before I attack your husband. Yeah. For attacking you instead of like arresting him. <laughs> No, no, no. We're just going to beat his ass. We're just going to beat his ass. Welcome like, to abuse in the 40s. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I mean, even that, like, usually... And that was actually a stronger response to the abuse than he usually got in the 40s. Usually, usually it was like, like oh. we're going to have him take a walk around the block. Right. I'm like, sure. He'll be a different person when he comes back. Um, That's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, he hangs up the phone, and, and they go up to him, and the, the chief goes up to him, and he's like, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, you yeah. can't just threaten people or their dogs. No. Like, you can't. He's like, all right, that's fair. He was like, why don't you just, you just stick to the book. Like, just yeah. stick to the script when, right. if you get, if she calls again. Mm-hmm. And of course, she immediately calls again. And like, one of my favorite parts of the movie is when the, when the operator, the telephone operator, because that was the thing, right? There right. was a telephone operator. Mm-hmm. But the telephone operator, like, heard who was calling. <laughs> she was like... Okay, hold on, because you just seen all this go down. And of course, Spark Plug is immediately like, okay, I'm coming over, lock up that dog or I'm going to shoot it. Right. And then you do- that's the end of that. You don't see what the resolve of that no, was at all. You, you don't know what he does to the the dog or the husband. If he even ever goes, if they yeah. stop him. Right. <laughs> like... <laughs> Who knows? So yeah, so he's like insane. And okay. I honestly did. I was like, are they setting this up that he's the killer? Because I knew, obviously I knew the actual case was unsolved, but that doesn't mean that the movie about it, you know, doesn't, right. you know, posit a mm-hmm. killer, right? Like, um, and, and there have been, I mean, look at Joseph D'Angelo, like there have definitely been cops who mm-hmm. were serial killers, right? So it's yep. like not, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, outside the realm of possibility, but. So then the second attack happens, results in, you know, the death of the victim's. And so now they're really freaking out. And this is when they call in the Texas Rangers. Yes. And the most Texas Ranger guy. <laughs> who was based on a real person. Yep. Who called himself Lone Wolf, which is hilarious. <sighs> which, did he actually call himself Lone Wolf in the original too? He did not. I was going to say, I didn't think his nickname was the Lone Wolf in the original. But the actual man. The man who was based on him. His nickname was actually, yes. Man that he was based on, yes. Right. His nickname actually was Lone Wolf. They don't ever call the character Lone Wolf in the original film. When they are talking about him Mm -hmm. before he shows up, they're like, oh, the Lone Wolf. Right. But that's the only mention of it. He definitely never tells anyone to call him that. No. (laughs) And you have... Not in the original. (laughs) Not in the original. In the sequel, people call me Lone Wolf. 
that's cool. I'm not going to call you that because that's stupid as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, bud, but that's fucking dumb. Right? <laughs> it's not It's not the 40s anymore, and you can't have dumb nicknames. Right? <laughs> um, so they call him in. They have, like, uh, Morales. J.D. Morales. Yes. That's yep. his name. Mm-hmm. Um. So they call in they call in Captain J.D. Morales from the Texas Rangers, and he mm-hmm. is like a caricature of a Texas Ranger. Right. Um, speaking actually of the Texas Ranger and true crime, slight sidebar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I highly suggest I highly recommend since we're like on a Texas kick for some reason. Right. Um, <laughs> that everyone watch The Confession Killer on Netflix. Have you watched it? I haven't. It's about Henry Lee Lucas. Ooh. And. The absolute batshit bananas mm-hmm. sequence of events that led to Henry Lee Lucas, and like I thought, I thought I knew the Henry Lee Lucas story. Like mm-hmm. I, I knew that he confessed to a lot of murders that he probably didn't commit. Right. Right. Um, what I didn't know is that he's only been like absolutely linked to like three definitively. Right. And then like that. The rest, they have no idea. And Mm -hmm. that he was just basically fed this information. Yeah. And that, like, the Texas Rangers got so swept up in all of this, like, as an entire organization, they got so swept up in all of this that they just, like, suddenly this kid, or not kid, he was, you know, 40, but suddenly this guy had, like, uh, you know, confessed to 600 murders. And they're like, well, clearly he's murdered 600 people. Yeah, obviously this is true. (laughs) Or like, we're actually, we're going to, we're going to confirm 200 of these based on nothing but what he said. Uh Uh-huh. Even though someone else came along and was like, yeah, there's no way he could have even been in that state. Yeah. But they're like, no, but he said. (laughs) But he said it. (laughs) But he said. So, crime solved. (laughs) Crime solved, right? Close it up. No. Um, so yeah, it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. And, like, I still, because in my head, it was still, like, yes, he, he, you know, admitted to murders that he didn't commit, but he was the most prolific serial killer of all time. Yes. He was not, almost certainly was not, like, at all. <laughs> and, like, same thing with Otis Tool, who was his, and, like, no, I don't know if I'm related to him, but... <laughs> I hope not. But <laughs> there are a lot of tools, okay? It's kinda, a very common name. I'm not going to lie. I kind of hope you are. Serial <laughs> <laughs> killer adjacent. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the ones that he said, I think my favorite thing is that everyone just describes Otis Tool like their immediate description of Otis Tool is that he's just the dumbest person they've ever spoken to. Right. <laughs> But that he was just sort of swept up in Henry's stories. Mm -hmm. And, like, so he just just said, like, yeah, we did this. And so, like, whatever the, like, 150 that they attribute to him as a partner of, you know, Lucas is, like, probably also didn't happen. But it was fascinating. And there was a lot of stuff in there that I did not know. Um, So, yes. While we're talking, it is relevant. You know. Yeah. Texas serial killer, Texas Rangers. Mm -hmm. It is at least connected. So, while you're, while we're all on a Texas kick. Go watch The Confession Killer. All right. On Netflix. Game on. Game on. <laughs> um, but they bring down a, a, you know, they bring in a, a psychologist to do the criminal profile. There's like this, there's like this little scene where, 
you know, there's just a pair of boots walking by <laughs> while they're talking about the profile. You know, yes. Like implying that the killer was there. Well, and it's funny because... they don't know. Right. They, they, right. Well, and it's funny that they that they kept implying that, like, the killer was there. Or, or they would... Ke- they continuously showed these boots throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, these are just a regular pair of black boots. Could be anybody. It could have li- literally... I At first, I was like, is this just showing someone's boots because they can like the first time that it happened i was like what is this and i'm like oh okay got it got it killer okay all it's right i caught up yeah <laughs> i'm caught up now but i'm like I, I understood it but i'm like this is not no but it is difficult because how well, how i mean how do you make a satisfying slasher or i mean it's not really a slasher how do you make a satisfying narrative mm-hmm. about an unsolved case it that's true it's true. You have to, and it did add to the mystery of it. And it was like, oh, this person's right there. They're right there, right by him. Yeah, and, the suspense of like, yeah. oh, he's, now he knows the investigation, so he's going to change, even though he never did. Right. <laughs> but um, yes, so after the first murder, the investigation really ramps up, mm-hmm. and again, we have the narration throughout. It's like describing everything that happened, and and I. Again, very sort of faithful to what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but when does the car chase happen? Where they that was after the second murder, right? It was. It was after the second murder because second murder was the trombone one, wasn't it? So, it was after the second murder, it was before the final attempt, it was before the husband was murdered. Right. Of okay. course. Obviously. Um, well, because because it was when they were chasing the car thief, who's yes. obviously is supposed to be Ewell Swinney. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he had stolen the car, he, he had robbed, uh, like, a general store or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and had just escaped while the police were on their way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's... All of the cops are after him. All, all of them. them. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that there were that many cars on the road until all, all of them Commercial. came together. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, oh. Uh, until there's, of course, uh, Sparkplug is one of the drivers and he's... Right. One of the jokes, one of the jokes, like the weirdly placed jokes around yes. this, this officer is mm-hmm. that... I, I guess this is the reason they call him spark plug is right. because he's got a really bad temper, uh-huh. right? So he sparks. And also he's like a crazy driver. Yes. <laughs> and so he keeps driving around the Texas Ranger guy, the Morales guy mm-hmm. and being like, you know, and the guy's like hanging out for dear life. Yeah. He's so like, weird. hi, we're not chasing anyone. Go the speed limit. Right. Thank you. Yeah. He was like, unless I tell you there is an emergency. Use the stop signs. Yeah. Use the red lights. No sirens. No, no sirens, lights. No lights. Don't need it. <laughs> so weird. But yeah, so the second murder. Mm-hmm. The second murder is where they, they depart from what actually happened a little mm-hmm. bit. And this was, you know, trying to... <laughs> trying to add in, um, you know, a little bit of, like, cinematic flair. But mm-hmm. it just ended up being silly. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> brought it back in the second one they sure did like we're doing this again really? yeah because because out of all the murders that was really the most iconic <laughs> true true i mean the rest it, is just shot because it didn't make 
sense. It didn't make sense, right? Like this is it didn't it didn't make sense in in the context of the actual case because right. this killer did not use a knife. No, no, he like, used a gun. There, there was a gun. There were guns. Even yeah. in the sexual assault, mm-hmm. he used his gun. Yep. Like he was very into guns. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, he has like a Bowie knife. <laughs> yeah, and so the second double murder was the two kids yes right the one where both of them were actual children Mm -hmm. and one of them now in fairness one of them was a musician who had been playing a concert at the vfw hall right so like that was right with not with a trombone with a sack right something else but Mm -hmm. that was accurate right right Mm -hmm. um so and they went they went to park and they sort of argue back and forth a little bit about the wisdom of this decision Uh um finally the boy convinces her because there's always the boys convincing the girls of course right like there was never a girl who wanted to have sex um but to just you know stay for just a couple of minutes and then they get attacked by the killer Uh and he shoots the boy and he ties the girl which this, which I will say, the way that he tied her up was consistent with the first murder. Yes. Because she was tied to a tree with her hands wrapped around the trunk of the tree. Yes. Although that was only in the movie. In the movie. That was not an MO of the actual murder. Right. The actual murder, no one was ever tried tied to a tree. Right. But yes, like they they did that, like they did sort of create for the killer that MO of yeah. tying them to the like, trees. At least there was right. some consistency there. There was some consistency. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and then he pulls out a Bowie knife uh-huh. and he pulls out her trombone. Uh-huh. And he ties it or duct tapes it. Like also where'd he get that? Like what? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, to the end of the slide of the trombone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he starts playing the trombone but again through the mask so it's not really making any noise uh-huh. but he like keeps blowing into the trombone and pushing the slide all the way out so that the slide of the trombone no so that the knife that's attached to the end of the slide of the trombone stabs her repeatedly in the back yes it is an utterly bizarre scene yep. <laughs> you're like what are we doing here and it is it is it's played off as like this horrific thing and you're like this is just goofy yeah like, i don't even know if this would work <laughs> like wouldn't the would the trombone bend i don't know would Maybe. the knife would the knife stay off? stuck to right. it yeah like i don't i yeah it's like not so much to like i mean I'm, I'm not an expert on stabbing people but it seems like it takes like a lot of force to pull a knife out of a person after they've been stabbed uh-huh so like i feel like that motion wouldn't work i don't know uh but that's what they did and that's how the second girl was killed. Mm-hmm. The boy was just shot. And then she was stabbed with her own trombone. <laughs> um, and it is during the investigation of that second murder mm-hmm. that they, A, do the decoy scene. Yep. Which, again, is just like bringing in Sparkplug to be like this, this much is... bigger character than he needed to yes. be. Well, and the, uh, in that scene too, it's, it's Sparkplug and then the other officer. I don't remember his yeah, name. Yeah, but yes, one of the other officers that like. Jokingly like flirts with him. Right. And is like, you know, tries to grope his, his, you know, fake boobs and right everything. And he like tries, you know, starts to smack on him and then you mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, that was obviously unsuccessful and right. probably didn't actually happen. Like we said. Uh-huh. Well, and that was the thing too. I'm like, it, 
there there's all these police officers that are out throughout the town mm-hmm. scattered everywhere doing rounds like and they happen to miss the however long it was that that because the kids fell asleep in their car mm-hmm. so they had to have been out there for a while mm-hmm. it, and the cops just just missed that one location yeah in the middle of town mm-hmm. that the killer just happened to go to mm-hmm. okay <laughs> <laughs> got it right well sure. I mean, yeah i mean yeah i'm sure you could delve into the actual original investigation and you know find yeah there's some plot holes. They they should have. <laughs> there's some plot holes in real life. Yes. Um, which like is always interesting. Like what's going on here? Um, because yeah, there's absolutely there's really no reason they shouldn't have caught this guy. Right. <laughs> right. Even in '46, he wasn't exactly. careful. Especially with Texas Rangers being involved too. Like I'm not saying and the, the FBI and the FBI. Like there's a lot of people on this case, mm-hmm. and he slipped right through your fingertips. And and it's a very it's a very small town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like I would say that the fact that it was like the border of two states, but both agencies were involved. Right. Both state agencies were involved. So like it's what? Twice the normal amount of people that are involved. <laughs> twice the people, folks. So yes, it. Yeah. So so that did happen, and then and then we end up after those the kids were murdered. Mm-hmm. That's when we end up having the chase scene. Right. Shortly the car after. Chase. With, like, the, again, the the character who's clearly supposed to be Ewell Swinney. Yes. Um, although, in the film, Morales doesn't think that he's the killer. Right. No, he does not. Like, he, that's a he, great... He straight up decides that this is not the man right. that, that is the killer. Yeah, he's like, he's a scumbag. Uh-huh. He's not our guy. Mm-hmm. So... And then there's also... There's also the chase scene at the end where they chase him into the swamp, which I think was put in because I don't think that happened either. I think that was put in as like a way to have sort of a somewhat climactic ending. Right. Add, right. And add to the mystery on top of it. Mm-hmm. Like where you go. Right. Um, also, can we just discuss like I know that cars like like tread on tires is like a relatively new thing. Consider it like in comparison to the time frame that this movie mm-hmm. took place. But, like, they could not control a single car in this movie. That's true. It, they were all, all all over the place. Yep. I'm like, are these how car chases used to be? I get that they're on a dirt road, too, so that didn't help anything. But I'm like, damn, it's just to one side of the road, to the other, to the other, to the other, to the other. They were channeling the Dukes of Hazzard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Different state, but they were still in that mode. It's close enough. Yeah. <laughs> But generally, mm-hmm. just like, um, yeah, no, it is funny. It, it is sort of like, I I don't know if there was sort of a, an agenda in the film as to sort of subtly criticize the police work or to depict them as somewhat bumbling. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly comes across. It, yeah. I, I, I don't know if that was the intention, mm-hmm. right? Or if it just is because... It's from 1976, right. right? And, like, it has this. But they do. They do. They kind of... The cops are kind of dumb yeah. in the movie. And mm-hmm. and the movie, like, is, is, you know, has these sort of, like, genuinely slapsticky moments. Yeah. That are about just how dumb these cops are. Uh-huh. It's an interesting... It's an interesting little film. <laughs> That's for sure. 
despite the trauma of the actual events and how, you know, gripped with fear the town was during the murders themselves, um, they have embraced this film mm-hmm. and like this story as like, and, and the, you know, myriad urban legends that it spawned, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, any, any kind of, any kind of urban legend that involves, you know, being parked and like, you know, the hook man. Any kind of like, you know, supernatural killer who gets you while you're parked in your car actually comes from the Phantom. Yep. Like those mm-hmm. stories largely did not exist before this case. Mm-hmm. So um, they have embraced it. And so they actually show this movie, such as it is, every Halloween. In Texarkana. Every year. Every year. Which which makes sense. I mean, It like... makes sense. And also, like, I, I kind of love it. And I kind of want to go to, like, a Halloween screening of The Town of the Dreaded Sundown in Texarkana. Like, Absolutely. I mean, I am 100% in support of this. I love, though, that, like, this town is very split on this movie. Yes. This is very split. Like, well, I mean, like... the town is split <laughs> in every way possible. It's in two different states. Oh my god! Sorry, I did not make Carry that on. connection. <laughs> Thank you for that one. You're welcome. Um, you're right, when, Katie. When you're right, you're right. Um, <laughs> it is in fact split in two different states. It is. Um, but it's just so funny that like there were so many people in the town that were actually against it, even though obviously there is a ton of extras that were used in the filming of the movie. But right. Well, I mean, anything that I mean, there are obviously there are going to be people who felt like it was, you know exploiting the real actual lives that were lost, which is a fair and valid point of view. There are people who feel that it wasn't accurate enough and it was too sensationalizing. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I get. I mean, I I do get because like for some reason the film is primarily set as if it's happening in Arkansas. Yes. Um, And Mm -hmm. Most of the murders actually took place on the Texas side, right. like right outside of mm-hmm. town in, in Bowie County, Bowie mm-hmm. County, I think Texas. Um, so yeah, so there are, you know, it definitely had its detractors, but it's sort of over the years has gained this kind of, you know, cult classic status mm-hmm. and they do show it every Halloween, which is important for you to know. Yes. Because that is where we begin the second movie. Mm-hmm. Because if there's one thing the town that dreaded sundown needed, it was a sequel. <laughs> and how do you make a sequel? Right, on a movie that like... Is based on real events. Right. You make shit up. Yeah. So it's it's funny because uh, when I was looking into the to the remake, so... This movie is created actually like the, this is uh, this is really like kind of Ryan Murphy's baby. Yeah. So Ryan Murphy, because Ryan Murphy actually approached Jason Blum mm-hmm. about this movie. Jason Blum had no idea about the Child of Dread and Sundown. He didn't know that the original movie existed. He was like, who's she? Yeah. New new to this party, but okay. <laughs> let's go. But I'm Jason Blum, so sure, let's make a horror movie. Let's this is my thing. favorite thing to do. Well, and that's and that's and I think that's why it was such a perfect pairing, even though I I don't love this movie. I it's still it's still a horror movie that's, you know, on the books. It it Right, yeah. I mean it's it it has its 
I like the overall concept of the film. Yes. Yeah. I do and too. I actually like. I like this idea of of playing with the mythology that has grown out of these events and this and this original film, mm-hmm. right? And like playing with that and incorporating that into, you know, there aren't many movies that are about movies, right? Right. So <laughs> it's it's kind of cool when when those pop up. There are actually more, but there aren't many horror movies that are about movies, right? You know, I mean, Scream. I guess the Scream series a little bit. Yeah. But, like, the movie comes after. Right. Right? Like, it's sort of about just these kids who are really into horror movies in general, and then it's after the, you know, mm-hmm. the stab movies start being made in the series right. that it, like, sort of takes that extra layer. But... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there was a hair mama. Um, but, you know, this one was... I mean, from 2014, this is kind of an innovative idea. Yeah. Um, and also, they were innovators in that they named this fucking movie The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Starting off this uh, little subgenre of movies. <laughs> this little. Strong. This little. Just determination to confuse everybody. Yes. At all times. Yep. Like. Because well, why not? Because it's not a remake. It's not a remake. But it, it, it's a sequel that acknowledges that the first film was a film. Right. Which I can't think of another movie exactly like that. Yeah, I can't think of a movie, another movie that's exactly like that. It is, it is just funny that, I mean, because really like, I don't know what else I would name it. What? The Town of the Dreaded Sundown 2? Still dreading it? (laughs) 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 I'm just saying. (laughs) The Town That Dreaded Midnight. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, there's not really a... uh, That's actually not that bad. Um, (laughs) I can handle The Town of the Dreaded Midnight. I would have called it The Phantom. Yeah. If it were me. But, but I mean, I get it. But yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. I like... No, no, no. Wow, off on a tangent. Oh, you mean like how we do? Like our DNA. Perfect. Um, (laughs) Just as I was looking for. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But no, it... it, Definitely a very interesting concept. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that the movie was made. the, The murders were were decent. Like, mm-hmm. they had some decent killings in there. Um, yeah. I don't know where I was going with that now either. I'm sorry. So once you told me, because, like, I I apparently missed this. Once you told me that Ryan Murphy was involved, there were things about it that made sense suddenly. Oh. Oh. The fact that this is a movie within a movie... I'm like, this is Ryan, Ryan Murphy, Murphy all, over, all, it, all yeah. over it. And just some of the like aesthetic choices and the fact that there was like, you know, a lot of really random, pretty graphic sex scenes. Yeah, that's Ryan Murphy. Yeah, that's Ryan Murphy. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Look, yeah, there were a lot of really graphic sex scenes. There were a lot scenes. of really graphic sex scenes, which is interesting because like the, you know, and I mean, I get it. Like, obviously... Obviously, in the original 
murders, like the actual murders, like he was targeting people who were in at least sexualized situations. Right. Right. Like we don't know if any of these people were actually having sex in their cars, you know, maybe, maybe not. You don't know, but they were at least, you know, making out, right? Like you don't go to a lover's lane just to talk, you know, like, but also just, it was just like, and I don't, and I don't even mind, I don't even mind sex scenes. That's not what I'm talking about. It's just like, they were the first one, I think in particular, the one with the, the blonde and the military man in the hotel. I was like, wait, did a different movie just start? It went like from horror to porn. Immediately. Immediately. Like, just boom. And I was like, wait, is this still the same movie? Yeah. Like, did, did my Tubi mess up or whatever the fuck I was watching it on and, like, switch to something different? Because, like, <laughs> what's happening right now? Yeah. yeah, it got intense there for a little bit. It did. But, um, which is fine. <clears throat> I mean, like, you know, a movie, a movie like X, which we watched last week, makes right. sense. Literally, they're making a porn. You expected to see graphic sex scenes in that because they are making a porn. But right. this, it was just like, that. Ah. I don't know. It was, it, was, it was weird. It was just a strange shift in tone. The tone was somewhat inconsistent. Yes. In the movie. Yes, the tone... No, the tone was very inconsistent. It... It... Didn't really know exactly what it was doing because it was kind of trying to do too many things at once it was trying to do too many things at once and i think they were trying to sort of i'm not sure i mean i can't speak to what they were trying to do but there were parts of it that felt like a a very sort of you know serious horror film yes there were parts of it that felt like a parody of Mm -hmm. the original film yep and that was mainly whenever anthony anderson was on the screen Right, because Anthony Anderson is a comedian. He is, and he was playing it as a comedian. Yes. And I don't know if that was like a reference to the original and the fact that the cops were used as like the comic relief. Right. But it just, it, it it just, it just felt muddled. Like, it just felt muddled, but, um... I mean, it was, it was, it was a very interesting concept, but it was sort of like just the execution wasn't great. And I really, really did not like the ending. Oh, the ending was atrocious. I mean, what? Yeah. Uh, Because that's exactly what you would expect, right? The person that you saw murdered to still be alive. Right. Well, I mean, it's just like, I'm sorry. When she was like, they found your body. And the other guy was like, I found his body. And I'm like, I'm sorry. No one else looked at this body. We cut up his face. It's like, no, there are things like dental records. Like, do you know the extent of mutilation you have to get before a body is unidentifiable? Yeah. You got to remove a lot of stuff. You got to remove a lot of stuff. You know, like if they had burned the body, maybe. But just the idea that, like, they, like, cut up his face and suddenly he was unrecognizable. And where'd they get that guy? Like, somebody else went missing. Yeah. It's a very small town. They would notice. I mean, I just... The idea that in 2013, (laughs) even in a small town, you would get away with replacing a body with another one and having it be identified as... You know, the person you're trying to have it be identified as was just was just a bit too much of a stretch for me. 
I'm like, and it was unnecessary. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it, it didn't make Like, any the cop sense. made sense. The cop did make sense. Like, that That was a strong through line. Uh-huh. You could have stopped there. Didn't need to have two. You could have even had two people and had it not been him. Right? That's true. You could have had it be, like, the other creepy guy who was, like, you know, the, what's his face? The film director's son character. Right. Who was, like, creep them the fuck out. Uh-huh. He could have been in on it. He was the one who basically told them where to look. It would have made sense. It would have made a hell of a lot more sense than, than the kid just like, she was like, why are you doing this? And he was like, I don't know. <laughs> I want to get out of this town. So I'm going to murder people. <laughs> that feels like the opposite. of. And you faked your death. Just leave. Yeah. You can go start over somewhere else. You already made that happen. Except you really can't because it's 2013 and it's very hard to do that nowadays. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry. Facebook already existed. (laughs) Game over, bud. Mm -hmm. You are who you are. (laughs) Um, But anyway, yes, obviously, we probably don't even need to say this, but the events of the second film are, of course, entirely fictional. Yes. The only thing true about the second film is that Texarkana does, in fact, show the movie every Halloween. Yep. That's it. That's all you got. Um... There has never been a known copycat killer in Texarkana. No. <laughs> like, uh, but they still, of course, make the claim at the beginning of the film that it is based on true events. Right. Right. We've seen that in Myriad, you know, other horror films oh, that gotcha. aren't based on any kind of reality whatsoever. Right. So, um, that's, that's not an issue, but. And like I said, I really liked the concept. And I even, despite the feeling like it was an uneven tone, like they kind of, they, they kind of had me like until that ending. I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm here. I'm with you. I'm enjoying this for the most part. Like, and then the ending just, I was just like, this is fucking stupid. Yeah. It, it ruined the rest of the movie. (laughs) They also never really, well, I mean, we should probably tell them what happened, but... <laughs> yes, we should get to that point. We should get to that. We get, should they're, get like, to... they're like, great, you hated it. Okay, I understand. What <laughs> was it about? <laughs> okay, so... The plot of The Town That Dreaded Sundown, mm-hmm. 2014. Uh, so, our main character... Whoop, our main character and final girl is named Jamie. Mm-hmm. Um, much more a traditional, right, slasher formula... For this one, because it's in fact not based on a true story, so they can make it. They can have a final girl when in fact, although technically his last victim was a woman who survived. So basically, technically she was a final girl. She was a final girl. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's much more, it's much more like traumatic and awful in real life. Um, She and her boyfriend, Corey... Who was of course, you know, captain of the football team and she was... Their age is a little vague. I think maybe they just graduated high school. Yeah, that's kind of what it seemed like, too. But I was a little confused by that as well. Yeah. Either they just graduated or they were seniors. They just became seniors. Right. Because it takes place in October. It takes place in Halloween. Right. But I don't think they ever... I don't think she ever goes to school. And it was November. Yeah. Right? Like, they never show her going to school. So I'm thinking it must have been like she took a gap year. Or something in between high school and college. Because she was... She was applying to colleges. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know if there's any logic to it. Mm. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe they didn't even think about it. They're they, just like, they're teenagers. Yeah. They're, kind of. They're they're here. They're here. They're <laughs> at the movies. Um, You know who would have been... Okay, we can talk about it. I'm going to talk about who would have been a better second person. Oh, yes. To be rather than the boyfriend. So anyway, mm. uh, so she and her boyfriend, Corey... Which I don't think anyone's named anymore, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's like a, you know, there's like a 19-year-old Corey listening to this going, I exist. <laughs> Sorry. I apologize. Um, they are at the screening of The tra- Town That Dreaded Sundown. She's not having a good time because she doesn't like horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear kind of like, there's, there's like a, a fundamentalist church group that's there, like... Telling everybody they're going to hell, which is funny. And they have a little table with like flyers because of course they do. One of them literally, I mean, the the main guy is, the main pastor guy is like um, the dad from Gilmore Girls. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which I love how often he just randomly pops up like in really, well, I mean, he's not just the dad from Gilmore Girls. He well, was also, of course, in The Lost Boys. Right. I don't know why I forgot that for a second. Like he's been a villain before, um, but <laughs> literally I've already... Covered that movie, but um, what's his name? You know what's sad is I, I've been trying to think of it, and I... I definitely know his name. Yeah. Edward Herman. Thank you. So, yeah. So, Edward Her- Edward Herman is there. Um, and so, you know, it's the whole town. But but Jamie's not having a good time, so Corey's like, yeah, we can leave. You know, this is, this is lame, whatever. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's a fun idea. Let's go parking. <laughs> Great idea. Great idea. And she's like, you really want to fucking go parking right after we watch that movie? And he's like, come on, it'll be fun. Um, which actually does, like, that now makes sense. Yes. Knowing the ending of the movie, why yes. he would want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, they start making out. She sees somebody in a in a hood. Uh-huh standing in the bushes and she's like motherfucker what is this guy doing right what's funny is that like you would absolutely not think that a guy dressed up like that on that day in that town was going to kill you no it's just a guy who dressed up to go see the movie right exactly he's here to just like fuck around right he's just an idiot yeah um but he's not and he attacks them Mm -hmm. and he Makes her turn her back while he stabs her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. So she can see, I will tell you something. I thought that was going to get, should we even talk about this? Like he had him put his pants down and then he like straddled him. And I was like, what are they showing right now? You know what I mean? I was like, what, what? This didn't, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it got, it got. Weird. I was. I was like, "Are is he about to rape this kid?" Right. And then we're just gonna watch that happen because uh-huh. I don't want to. No. Um. That's not what happened. He was just stabbing him. He was just just like holding him down so he could stab him. And then why the pants? I don't know. Well, okay. So the original, the first attack. Oh, that's right. He did make the. There wasn't. There wasn't any evidence that he sexually assaulted. The male but he did make him pull his pants down right and then he sexually assaulted the female with his gun yep 
Mm-hmm. Or actually, the male survived, so he probably would have said if they will survive the first attack. They sure did. Um, which actually is another clue, isn't it? Oh, it sure is. Dang. Uh, really should have seen this coming, but it's so stupid that (laughs) (laughs) it never occurred to me, despite all the clues, that that was the answer. Well, and on top of it, I'm Mm going to skip ahead a little bit, just Mm -hmm. a smidge. She gets a phone call from the killer on Corey's phone. Right, right. But I mean that... And that... That's the thing. That's the thing in horror movies. It sometimes just happens. Oh, yeah. just sometimes has your dead friend's phone. They have your dead friend's phone, or like in the original Scream, they had Sydney's dad's phone. <clears throat> right. Because they had him tied up, kidnapped, right? Exactly. So, like, yeah, it's not, you just assume that that's another way to terrorize her, uh-huh. is that the calls are coming from his phone. And of course, the killer has his phone. Right. Because he, he killed him. Yeah. And he took his he it, took his shit. It never left his pocket. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, because he's the killer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. Nobody thought to, like, trace those calls or, like... No. Like, here's the thing about phones these days. They can pretty much tell you exactly where someone is. Yep. At all times. hmm So... They and especially GPS. if they m- make a phone call. Yeah. Like, even if they have GPS turned off. Yep, you can trace that shit. Um, so, anyway. She takes off running through the woods... And the killer tracks her down, knocks her down, stands over her. She thinks, you know, mm-hmm. good night, moon. And he just says, this is for Mary. Make them remember. Right. And then you cut to her, like, in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So she's, of course, deeply traumatized, right? Her mm-hmm. boyfriend is death. Her boyfriend is death. No, that's a very different movie. Mm-hmm. Um, her boyfriend is dead. They have a funeral. His mother screams at her and calls her a slut. Yep. They buried a body. Like, someone else looked at that body. Anyway. <laughs> they said, yeah, that's him. Uh, you Do- see her. Does it, doesn't his mother have to identify him? Generally? a family member has I mean, to identify if, him. I mean, yeah, somebody who knows. But I mean, that's what they're like. I think that's why they're like, oh, he cut up his face. So maybe they like just because they. Oh. Uh, they put. I mean, they put him in his clothes. Right. But still, I don't know, man. I just, I just don't think. I don't know. I don't think. Yeah, I'm not on board with it. Mm-hmm. I, I, the concept's there. The concept's there. Well, and they had an absolutely perfect person for it to be too. Oh yeah. And then, like, it just, I don't know, it just doesn't make any sense. But, um, so, you know, she goes to therapy. You find out that she lives with her grandmother because her parents passed away in a car accident. Mm -hmm. Because, like, for some reason, she needs more trauma. I don't know. Like, I I don't understand. I don't understand the trend of, like, making the final girl have some, like, hideous trauma in her past as well. Because that's the only way that she's going to have any strength to get through, Katie. Don't you know that? I see. Of course. Uh Uh Anyway, we're <laughs> like bitchy about this movie. I know, we're really bitchy about this movie. <laughs> I don't know, it's just like, it. I think it's just like, you hate to see potential wasted, because they had such an interesting it, there's, idea. Yeah. The kernel was there, and it could have been really good, and then it just wasn't, and you're yeah. like, come on. And also, like, I mean, I don't know, I expect better from Jason Bloom at least. Like, yeah! Ryan Murphy is 
uneven. But yeah, hit and miss. But, <laughs> but Jason Bloom is, you know, usually pretty good. Yeah. With like every when... American Horror Story, there's American Horror Stories. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like, you know, when so when I was watching the film and I saw Bloomhouse come up, I was like, oh. Yeah, that I was in the same boat. I was okay. like, okay, perfect. Like, there's, you know, Jason still Bloomhouse can still be a little hit and miss, but he tends to be on the up. You know, yeah. he tends to he tends I got to some good ones. Yeah, um, he's no way twenty four, but we're he's there. He's, he's there. there. He's there. Um, but um, so she can't help herself. Oh, and she's like a she's like a journalism student, or she wants to go into journalism, yes. right? So, which is you know, ostensibly why she was targeted. So, she starts to just kind of like poke around at it yeah and everybody's like of course this is you know this is just a this is a copycat killing and you know mm-hmm. the whole the whole town starts to buzz about it right um especially once the second murder happens yes. right mm-hmm. and that is when uh so again you feel suddenly like you're watching an entirely different movie when a military man comes home uh from wherever he was and his very blonde girlfriend meets him at the airport, and then it just cuts immediately to them like banging like bunnies, and you're yeah. just like, "Whoa!" Yeah. Um, and then he leaves, and she pulls out an engagement ring for him, which I think is really cute. And, I mean, mm-hmm. I did kind of love that. I was like, "Wait, is she gonna propose to him?" <laughs> That's like, awesome. All right, get, it. <laughs> get it, girl. <laughs> um, but she doesn't have a chance to. And they're in a hotel, which doesn't follow the pattern. Nope, not at all. If if their intention was to now mind you nobody parks anymore so i get it right kind of because like they wouldn't have had any more victims because nobody parks anymore right but are you just listening into hotels just to, how did they know like are you searching for people having sex i mean they were pretty loud so he would might, might have been able to hear it. you know what you're right they probably heard him from downtown <laughs> probably like oh hark and i'll say what <laughs> 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 oh, oh no <laughs> oh my brain the herald angel screams i'll think of- is that booty i hear uh-huh uh-huh oh. wow um but so the the phantom comes in and he, and he kills them yep and then everybody's all up in arms yes um and they call in the Texas Rangers, and that is when Anthony Anderson shows up, and you're just like, you are in the wrong film, sir. <laughs> Lone Wolf Morales. Lone Wolf Morales, who, like... Now, in fairness, the actual Texas Ranger was nicknamed the Lone Wolf. Yes. But I'm not sure there's anybody who's actually cool who, like, specifically tells people to call them by their cool nickname. Nope. People call you that because you're cool. Yep. Yeah, right? that's how nicknames work. People give them to you. <laughs> also, there was like a split second when he called somebody spark plug. Yes. Just a guy who was walking out the door. He's like, thanks, spark plug. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, the the original movie exists in this universe of this film. So uh-huh. like, everyone at this police station just has nicknames based on who they remind. And why would you not be so pissed off if that were the case and you were spark plug? I'd be like, I'm sorry. Am I a dweeb with an anger problem? Because, right. like, that guy who can't drive? Because, like, that guy was not who I want to be named after. No. Anyway. <laughs> no, that didn't make any sense. I was like, ah, cool, cool nod, but not the right way to do it. Right. Yeah. It would be a cool nod if 
the film did not exist. Like, yeah, it's like they forgot that the film existed in their universe. Yep. Multiple times. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like you aren't just going off the original murders. You're also bringing in the film. So you have to act as if the film exists. Which, which means that the actual murders also exist. Which right. means that that original case also exists. Which means and, that, like, the lone wolf Texas guy right. also exists. Which means that you gave yourself the nickname of the man that's work, that worked on the original case. Even though you walk in and you're like, I know nothing about this case. Fill me in, right? Like, right. then why are you named after that guy? It just, it just, it's not, it doesn't make sense. But... <laughs> Jamie shows up at the police station and is like, hey, I want to look at some old police files and shit, which is usually where you go to, like, a library, but she was at the yep. police station for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and she runs into the kid who works, I mean, police stations do have archives, but, like, you would think she would have gone to the library first. Right. Um, but the kid who works at the archives at the police station, his name is Nick. Uh-huh. He remembers her from high school, even though she doesn't remember him. Yep. There's your fucking killer. Yep. That's who that should have been. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, maybe it would have been more predictable. Mm-hmm. But it also would have actually made sense. Yeah, would have. Yeah, yes. That's the thing is that like it in a way, even the other, the boyfriend being the killer was so predictable that I didn't predict it. Where this, like, I would have predicted it, but I would have been okay with it. Right. Yes. It's it's not so much that, like, if if your twist is such a twist that it's not feasible, mm-hmm. then, you know, if it's not feasible, even within the context of a slasher film, which are not, you know, known for their feasibility, right? Like, you have to go a long way. Mm-hmm. You have to go a long way into, like, not being realistic before... I get mad about it because, like, who the fuck cares, right? But, like, right. it just, it doesn't make any sense for your plot. Right. Whereas you had this boy mm-hmm. who was like, oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. And you could have even faked his death. Yes. In a much less, like, he could have just disappeared. Uh-huh. Right? Because, like, he was walking home from her place when he got killed. Right. Spoiler, he gets killed. He was walking home from her place, and, like, you turn around, he turns around and you see the killer, you don't see him killed. Uh-huh. Right? So it could have been, the story could have been not that they found him dead, but that he's disappeared, and then he pops up again because he's one of the killers. It would have made it ten times better. Yeah. Just this small change of, like, which boy she was fucking uh-huh. ends up being the one trying to kill her. Mm-hmm. People. Anyway. Um, so she meets him. They start researching. <laughs> all about the original murders. The town's all up in arms. You know, they're sort of like, you know, roving vigilante groups just like there actually were. Yep. For the actual murders. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we're not done yet because... Oh, we should say this. I think you, you mentioned this when you were talking about just how we could have, like, gotten clues that Corey was the killer. But he... He does, so the killer calls Jamie from Corey's phone. Mm -hmm. And another thing that we should point out, because this will be important later, is that, of course, Jamie is now under protection because she is the survivor of a murder, (laughs) of an attempted murder, and a murder. Um, Well, not a murder. (laughs) 
But she is then given a police ex- escort. Mm-hmm. And there is a, a patrolman, a deputy, Foster, mm-hmm. planted outside her house at all times. Yep. It also would have made more sense that, like, the deputy Foster kid guy was watching Nick so closely. Mm-hmm. It would have made so much more sense if Nick ended up being his partner. Because then he's not he's not watching him to keep Jamie safe. He's watching him to make sure he doesn't fuck it up. Yep. Right? Like, everything would have made more sense if it had been Nick. So she starts researching. She uh, finds out about... She finds out about, you know, the... The prime suspect of the original murders, Swinney, right? They changed his name in the movie, of course, as they did in the 76 version. Um, And they're like, oh, he has a son, right? And they're like... She goes to the cops with these these theories about this original suspect and his family. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we've already disproven that. Right. We we obviously went down that road and it's just not, it's just not true. And she's like, oh, well, back Mm -hmm. to the drawing board. Nick then asks her if she wants to go to a vigil for mm-hmm. Corey and the soldier and the blonde. Right. Which again is your killer. Uh-huh. What the fuck? Right there in front of you. Right there. You were like setting it up so perfectly and then you went, nope. Um No, he's too obvious. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, oh, you mean like he would make sense in the plot? Yeah. Right. I'm like, you're making a slasher. It's going to be obvious. Just deal with it. Um, <laughs> unless you completely change the formula. Right. Like they did in X. Go watch it. Yeah, they sure did. Go listen to our review and then go mm-hmm. watch the movie. It's awesome. Um, at the vigil, a person dressed as the Phantom shows up. Mm-hmm. And one of the soldiers, fellow soldiers, kills him. And everybody's like, cool. That's dumb. (laughs) And then they, like, take his mask off and they're like, "Mm, the fuck is this? And it's funny because when they take his mask off, it's like, it's a kid who was at the screening. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and he sort of, like, looked kind of, you know emo and he had like a town that dreaded sundown shirt on and so you're like you know so they're like ah it must be him because he was a weirdo and what they find is what he actually was was suicidal which is tragic yeah and he decided to like basically commit suicide by cop yep or by soldier in this case but Mm -hmm. he knew somebody would shoot him right so he went and they found a suicide note and everything so they're like great now we have this like tragically dead young man and we also don't know who killed these people. Um, but in the meantime, one of the ways that they find out, or one of the ways that they confirm that this kid absolutely was not the killer, is because after he had been shot and was taken to the hospital where he later died, mm-hmm. there was like a fundraiser or something going on for the mayor mm-hmm. where she actually announces that you know oh, the yeah, killer has been killed which is so stupid why would you do that? yeah don't make that announcement don't make that assumption no until it's been confirmed but well, of course you know she was at a fundraiser for herself so right yeah. <laughs> like 
of course she was going to be like, ah, I solved it. It's like a Marine shot him at a vigil. Like it's not, this is not justice. This is just vigilanteism and you shouldn't be taking credit for it. Anyway. <laughs> Look at me getting all political about this movie that is not real. Um, about this politician who's not real. Um, this movie's not based on a true story, Katie. It's based <laughs> on a based on a true story. It's based on a movie that's based on a true story. Yeah. Gosh. There are layers. This movie's an onion. <laughs> and now we're watching Trek. It right. kind of stinks. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway. And of course, there is a like high school band that is performing at this fundraiser, mm-hmm. right? So everything kind of harkens back to the original oh, yeah. in this way. And they leave together. It's mm-hmm. two boys. Mm-hmm. Which is a twist. Um, and they decide to go parking. Mm-hmm. And it's actually it's like sort of before the killer shows up, like kind of very sweet because they're like, what do we do? I was like, oh my God, two little baby gays. Yeah, right? Two I was like, oh, I have no idea. We have no idea what to do. It we don't very, know how this works. It was very sad. It was very cute and very sad because like, whoops, here comes the killer. Right. And of course they have to be the musicians because this is where the killer recreates the trombone scene because you got to have the trombone scene. Right. Exactly. Um, much more graphic this time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Much more graphic. <laughs> Where it's actually, you're seeing the knife go into the, of the, the back of the boy and then good how he kills the other one. I don't remember how he kills the other one. But he kills them both. Yeah. They're both dead. They're both dead at the end. Um, but the, there's a, there's a white boy and a black boy and the white boy gets the trombone treatment and then mm-hmm. the other one, he kills somehow. Um. So now they're like, great. Now we have two more, three more dead right. teenagers, right? Because we have the, the kid who committed suicide by Marine. We have the kids who got killed in the... And they were also in like the weirdest place. It was like a billboard graveyard. So like literally Edward Herman's character was staring at them from a billboard that was like just discarded on the ground there. Yep. I was like, this is weird. <laughs> Do, do all towns have this? Because I, I want to know where it is in my town. I know. I want to go. I know. I was like, this is cool. This yeah. is a cool place. This is like Texarkana's neon graveyard. I love it. Right. I'm like, this could be a thing. I mean, this is where you go to make out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know why you want that guy staring at you, but. I mean, maybe just for irony. <laughs> so anyway, it's at this point that they start in between that billboard and the sort of next events, they start to steer you in the direction that Edward Herman is the killer. Yes. <laughs> right? That he is like trying to, I don't know, whip up more religious fervor. And he kind of is because he does actually, he did send Jamie an email. Yes, he did. From quote unquote, the Texas Phantom. Right. And he did say that he was sort of taking advantage of the murders because more people were coming to church yep. because they were scared. Mm-hmm. Right. And so instead of like, you know, being comforting to people, he was like trying to whip up sensation about it so that more people would come to church because right. he is kind of a scumbag. He is, however, not our killer. No, he could have technically been a potential killer. He could have been. Absolutely. Um,
But it's at this point that... It's at this point after the trombone thing, because remember, and this was actually a smart little detail, because remember that the trombone thing was only in the movie. Mm-hmm. The actual killer, I cannot stress this enough, the actual killer in Texarkana in 1946 did not strap a goddamn Bowie knife to a trombone and then use that to stab somebody. In fact, he didn't stab a goddamn person. He only shot people. Yep. <laughs> he used a gun exclusively. Oh, which is, by the way, I, I don't know why I didn't think of this. This is how the other boy died. He got shot. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah. right. He just shot. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is less memorable because we can, it is much le- less memorable to just have somebody get shot. Right. Than it is to have somebody get stabbed by a trombone. Mm-hmm. But still wasn't true. So it's at this point that they decide like, oh, maybe we should be looking at the movie. Uh-huh. Rather than the actual case. Right. And they find that not only does the uh, son of the original director of the original film, not only is he still alive, but he lives in town for some reason. And, or like just outside of town in this weird, like, in a houseboat that's not on the water. Uh, (laughs) Like, sure. Why not? Um, Usually the houseboats in Louisiana are not in water. (laughs) <laughs> you know the state that borders it. it's, it's a bunch of water there <laughs> right yeah it's a whole bunch of water there never in water <laughs> a lot of water around texas too yeah it's a whole gulf of mexico thing going yeah. on <laughs> no they take the houseboats they surround it in water but first they surround it in dirt <laughs> right yeah it's <laughs> like build a moat right there's like a moat and then a hill and then it's on top it's like it's just it's like a bug's bunny curtain um so this is the other guy that absolutely would have made sense as the killer. Yeah. As the second killer. Absolutely. Um, but before they go to see him, there is another murder. Mm-hmm. Right? So uh, one of the cops, the old drunkard cop, and like his barfly girlfriend yep. are killed in his home. Mm-hmm. And again, another one of these, like, she's giving him a head when it happens, and it's like, was this necessary? Um, nope. <laughs> sure wasn't. But that's supposed to be, that's supposed to be the, like, farmhouse murder. Yes. Right? Yep. So basically, they're, like, they're only recreating the murders. Mm-hmm. They're not recreating the first attack. Right. Even though they kind of are. So really, they left out a murder, if you think about it. Right. Um, but he also ends up killing... They also end up killing, you know, several more people than right. the original killer did. So. Um, so anyway, they are murdered. And then Jamie and Nick go to see Charles Pierce Jr. Yes. And he feeds them the answer, like verbatim. I mean, not about the kid, but about the other one, right? Yep. He's like, listen, there was this guy named Frank McCready and he was found dismembered, which is something the Phantom didn't do. Just just keep that in mind. Near the train tracks. Mm -hmm. And that led people to believe that perhaps he was the Phantom and he had committed suicide by jumping in front of a train. Now, there was someone in the original case who was hit by a train 
who they thought could have been the phantom right. and he committed suicide by jumping in front of the train so like that is sort of based in reality um and he's like and his wife's name was mary and of course that makes jamie be like oh my god mary right. this is for mary right. it's all coming together um and he's like did he have a son and he's like yes but he was a drunk and he's dead and they're like oh and he's like but he might have a grandson right because again also like a grown man in 1946 like that person's son in 2013 would be in their 60s like it's yeah it kind of has to be the grandson because like Mm -hmm. this guy's you know doesn't seem doesn't move or act like a 60 some year old right. he acts like a young sort of you know prime alive type guy mm-hmm. so <laughs> we were talking about texas chainsaw massacre you're like would a 70 year old be able to do this i don't know um they usually stop before then but um and that she like she hated mary hated texarkana and she filled her children and her grand her son and her grandson with like venom about Texarkana and about how they forgot right. about her husband or they like did him wrong. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But he feeds them the answer. Mm-hmm. So he also could have been the killer. Mm-hmm. Because how the fuck else would he know that? Right. Um, so anyway, they leave, they go home. And Jamie's grandmother is there and she's like hey, so I was snooping around in your room and I found this acceptance letter to like fucking Cal Tech or Berkeley or something like some right. some college in California. Yeah. And like, you're going and I'm going with you. And we're leaving town like now because you have an unhealthy obsession with this killer who killed your boyfriend. And like, I think that we should leave town. And I'm like, yay, grandma, the only smart person in the movie. Yep. Um. So, but she is now... In the meantime, in between, like, her meeting this guy and now, they've gotten a little, like, romance started. Right. Right. Because, of course, they have. And so she calls him and she's like, I'm leaving. Before sunrise. Tomorrow. Because the grandmother's like, we're leaving now. In, like, six hours. Can we just talk about, though, too, that, Mm -hmm. like, it seemed like, and I guess if she got accepted into college, like, this had to have taken place. Like, this had to have gone a full almost year res- year's resolution revolution mm-hmm. at this point because she's getting accepted into college. It mm-hmm. usually doesn't happen until like, what? I don't know, I never got accepted into college. When does that happen? So <laughs> my sort of understanding is that she had actually applied to college bef- well before these events. Right. And because I think they were talking about it, that oh, she and yeah, the yeah. boy were talking about it before he was quote unquote killed. Right. So, yes, you are correct. It takes quite a while between application and acceptance right. into any school. But I don't think that means that this it has gone on has... that long. No. It just meant that, like, no, it was only a few weeks. Right. So that's, okay, perfect. Because that is my point. So, because I was like, well, maybe my point's not valid. But you just validated my point. Jamie has fallen for this dude. Oh, yeah, and is ready to, like, not go to college for him. Yeah, I'm like, girl, your boyfriend died, like, a week ago. But also, she's, like, 19. But your boyfriend died, like, a week ago. I mean, I get it. But, like, you know, 19. (laughs) I'm just like, damn. 
You moved on real quick. So, okay, how long was it? So, he died on Halloween. He, quote unquote, died on Halloween. Mm-hmm. I think oh, that. Two months then. Right. It took, around, took place around Christmas. Right. Yeah. So, it mm-hmm. was like there was Halloween and then Thanksgiving was around when the second murder happened. Like, I think it followed a similar timeline to the original murders. Like, yeah. I think they waited three weeks. So, from, a hollow, from Halloween to right before Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. which is around three weeks, right? And then mm-hmm. from Thanksgiving to like. Christmas Eve, which is more like a month, but, mm-hmm. but like it, it followed a similar timeline. So it was a couple of months, but yes, I mean, it did, it did move incredibly fast, but I think that's just because they're teenagers. So. I'm just still not okay with it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't write the movie. I'm not okay with it. But yeah. But yes. So she's like, I'm leaving literally in six hours. And he's like, oh shit. And so then they have sex. Yep. Which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he walks home. And is killed by the Phantom. Yep. Because he decides to walk home. Like, through the fucking woods. Okay, I will say this for them. Because he doesn't walk through the woods. He just walks down the street. Or he's, like, walking through the backyards. I think because he's trying to avoid the cop. Right. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. he's been, like... The cop has been, like, on his ass the entire time. Right. Which, again, would make a lot more sense if he was the killer. Uh Uh-huh. 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 Yes. And then, like, the twist was that they were partners. Right. Right. Um, I will give them this both during that scene where he dies and then the earlier scene where they're walking along and the cop is following them the motion sensing lights coming on and then going off and then coming on and then going off that was a nice effect yeah, like I cool. did like that and it was also like this really sort of smart subtle nod to like the, the level of paranoia that suddenly ev- I mean I guess you don't know that every house didn't have that but that every house has a motion sensor now mm-hmm. because they're afraid of someone stalking around the streets, right? right. So it's it's sort of like, and that did happen, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they didn't have motion sensing lights in 1946, but you know, the the extent to people went sort of security nuts, mm-hmm. right? Um, but yeah, so Nick is killed, uh, and then Jamie doesn't know this. Because literally her grandmother is making her leave at like 4 a.m. <laughs> yes. Like they are fleeing. With the clothes on their backs. Yes. Um, and like she tells, she tells the, the cop who's like supposed to be protecting her. About the Frank McCready theory. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is hilarious. Like, I get, like, making the cop the killer. Like, that's that's always a good twist because, you know, no one ever expects that even though cops have been killers. Hello, oh, yeah. Joseph D'Angelo. But um, it's like, he could have just opened an investigation. <laughs> he didn't have to do all this. Like, you're a cop. <laughs> you could just be like, hey, boss, can we look into this? <laughs> right. I'm just going to make it happen. Um, but anyway, she gives him all the information and then they pull into a gas station and then suddenly the guy becomes a sniper. Yes. And kills her grandma. Yep. Which is like, are you fucking kidding me? You're killing grandma now? Come on. I'm like the one good character. The one good movie. character. Um, and also several other people, like not just the grandma, but several other people also get it during the whole sniping phase. Mm-hmm. And she runs into the old, she runs from the gas station into the old train station and she finds Nick's body. And she's like, well, fuck, he's dead. And then she is hit by arrows. 
Because suddenly we have a new weapon. And why not? Yeah. Um, and she falls down. And then she is surrounded by not one but two. Count them two. Phantom killers. Mm-hmm. Which, again, doesn't make a ton of sense. No, I'm on board for this, the twist of two. Right. But it, no, you're right, it doesn't make a ton of sense. I mean, I feel like... I feel like the Scream series has kind of ruined there being two killers. Uh, yeah. Right? Like, you're never going to do it that well. Yeah. So just just let it go. Um, so one is revealed to be Deputy Foster, the very man who was charged with keeping her safe. Yep. Who, again, could have just opened his own investigation instead of doing all this, but his, you know, mind was warped and poisoned by his grandmother and yada, yada, yada. And mm. obviously he's just also a psychopath who wants to kill people. Like, right. No reason is good enough. So, like, you're just a psychopath who wants to kill people. Um, and then the other one is Corey. Yep. Welcome the back, boy Corey. who was... Welcome back. <laughs> the boy who was killed at the beginning of the film. And you're just... And at that point, I went, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Really? really? What? Yeah, as soon as I saw his face, I was like, yeah, I'm done here. I will admit that it took me a, real, a minute to even realize who he was. Well, they like fair, did the dramatic. Him, yeah. They did the dramatic reveal of his face, and I was like, "Wait, who the fuck is that?" And I was like, "Oh, it's the boyfriend." Yeah. From the beginning. Yeah, because you saw him for a total of five minutes. Right, because he was just like the cannon fodder. Right. Like, the first one gone. It doesn't make sense, but um. And then and then she asks him why he's doing this, and he cannot give her a good answer. Because he doesn't. There's not a good answer. Because there's him. not a good answer because it doesn't make sense. No. Nope. Um, and then, I mean, she kills them. I forget how. Hold on. Yeah, like... Oh, right. Yeah, his excuse was that he that, that, that they're both the same and they felt trapped. And that they're trapped in the city. <laughs> right. And, and it's like, like, you just leave. Yeah, them. you don't kill people that's how you get trapped there that's how jail works friend (laughs) like it's like do you want to go to prison in texas because i don't no sounds like a bad time and like you knew that she would just go with her to california (laughs) like you knew she was leaving i don't understand it doesn't make any sense um (laughs) and then of course you have the extra twist which of course also always happens whenever there's two killers right like that uh Foster then kills Corey for real, for real, for realsies this time. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm going to kill him and I'm going to kill you. And then I'm going to blame these murders on you guys. And somehow that will fulfill my mission. Right. Of people knowing about my grandfather. I don't know. Again, does not make sense. He's just a psychopath who wants to kill people. And like the other one is just his, his puppet. Yep. Which is fine. That's fine. That's a perfectly valid because those killing teams absolutely do exist yep 100 sure do so like that would have been an absolutely valid like mm-hmm. reason they didn't use it but <laughs> no it's fine um no because nick could have been his puppet too nick could have been his puppet and he would have made so much more sense because nick works first of all nick works at the police station so they knew each other 
Nick works in the archives, so maybe he was obsessed with the case. He takes an interest in Jamie. He knew Jamie from high school, so maybe he was obsessed with her and was jealous of the boyfriend. I can just list 25 reasons uh-huh. off the top of my head why Nick would have been a better choice to be the twist second killer yeah. than Corey. Absolutely. Nick was an actual character that we cared about. So, like, it would have been, like, more emotionally impactful. Yes. Because we hadn't seen him for only 25 seconds at the beginning of the film. Right. It would have been more emotionally impactful. And, like, the feeling of betrayal would have been greater for Mm -hmm. the audience if, like, oh, this character that we kind of liked and were rooting for. Mm -hmm. Oh, was a killer. And then, of course, in classic Final Girl fashion, uh, a fight ensues, right? He's trying Mm -hmm. to kill her. She manages to wrestle the gun away Mm. and shoot him. And then, of course, because this movie is referencing the original movie, it's said that his body was never found because he, like, stumbles into a swamp. Right. Right. Which is exactly how the first movie ends, right? Where they're Mm -hmm. like, oh, maybe he just fell into the swamp, which is possible. Or he got away. (laughs) Or he got away with it. So that is it for the time that dreaded sundown. And that is it for Texas. We are leaving Texas. Bye, Texas. It's been great. It's been bloody. Um, We are actually going clear across the country now. Mm Mm-hmm. Because next week is April 1st, Mm -hmm. April Fool's, and we are beginning our month-long It's Stravaganza. (laughs) (laughs) Been waiting so long to say that. Um... We're going to do every itineration of Stephen King's It. Yes. That has been adapted to film. So uh, next week we will do It Chapter 1. And then two weeks later we will do It Chapter 2. And then on April 29th we will do the miniseries mm-hmm. starring Tim Curry. Very and it's going to be super fun. So oh. excited. This is These are... I mean, this is like Sean's thing. Yeah, these are my favorites. Yeah. This, this is like... This is, this is top tier. Right. <laughs> Remember how I was when Return of the Living Dead happened? That's how Sean's going to be when we do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so, so good, guys. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Even when it's bad. <laughs> um, so yes, look forward to that next week. Until then... Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Spotify. Uh, we have an Instagram at FN Frights Podcast. We have a Twitter at FN Frights Pod. We have a website at FNFrightsPodcast.com. If you would like to uh, contact us directly, you can scream at us with our email address, scream at FNFrightsPodcast.com. And then, of course, there is the Fright Club. And Sean? Yes, Katie. What is the first rule of Fright Club? The first rule of Fright Club is... If there's a, a murderer just stalking around through your town and is killing people based on very specific actions that people are performing, mm-hmm. don't do those things. Right. Um, for example, kissing in an alley, in a car. Um, <laughs> don't do that. Yes. If there's a killer in your town and what like, and I, I don't, I don't mean to victim blame. I don't. No, no. We're not victim blaming here. This is not, it's not their fault that they died. I'm just saying that I personally, if there was a killer running around killing people who were parking, I would simply not go parking. Mm-hmm. And 
that is not what happened in Texarkana. No. People kept going parking. <laughs> they just kept doing it. And then they died. <laughs> like, it's not worth it. Parking is not worth dying. So, gays and ghouls, tune in next Friday night. You'll be in for a fright. But until then, sleep tight.